right now we have four tinctures on our website. Um, one one is made with isolate, so it's THC free, so it's really good for people who get drug tested. And then the other three are considered full spectrum uh, products, so they have that legal amount of THC, usually well below the legal amount of THC, but um, they'll have that below 0.3% of THC in there, as well as some other miners like CBC, CBN, CBG, um, and CBD as well. So hmm. we have the four tinctures, um, and we have two different kinds of vape cartridges right now. Um, it's a pretty People cool- People can vape CBD. Yeah, yeah, so we have a pretty cool distillate. It's crystal resistant. Um, CBD will tend to crystallize uh, if it's in any potency above like 60%, um, but it'll literally just, it'll crystallize on its own. So if you put CBD distillate into a cartridge, it'll crystallize in there and it'll get all funky and nobody will, it's not very p- visually appealing. Hmm. So the distillate we have is crystal resistant. Um, it's also THC free, so there's no THC in it. And it's very high in other minor cannabinoids like CBC and CBN. Welcome to the Seeking Financial Freedom Show, a saving, budgeting, investing, and spending show about everyday savers and investors like you and the journey seeking financial freedom. My interview guest today is the young, ambitious professional, Kevin Wine. Kevin sat down with me to have a conversation about his journey seeking financial freedom, as well as his adventures as the head of extraction at a CBD startup company called Terra Pharma CBD. Also in today's episode, we'll take a look at this week's personal finance term to know, financial freedom. We will review rule six of the 10 rules for realizing financial freedom, which is minimizing your tax liability with your investments. Following the interview, we'll review this episode's wealth-growing strategy, the history and finance fact, and then we'll end the show with your behavioral pitfall to avoid this weekend. So let's dive into episode seven of the Seeking Financial Freedom show with my guest, Kevin Wine. This is your Seeking Financial Freedom, personal finance term to know. Financial freedom. So what exactly is financial freedom? And what does financial freedom look like for you? I'll provide you with the formal definition of the term, and then I'll also tell you about what financial freedom means to me. But before we dive into those two items, it may be easiest for understanding to discuss what financial freedom is not. Financial freedom does not mean that I don't have to work because I'm dependent upon another person's income, whether it be my parents, a significant other, or a spouse. That doesn't make me financially free because they still have to work to support me. Financial freedom is also not having a high-paying job that affords me the nicer luxuries in life, because now I'm dependent upon this job to support my lifestyle. So neither of those items are financial freedom. A formal definition of financial freedom is the ability to be financially secure, to spend your time as you wish without life-altering financial consequences. It means that you can maintain and support your desired lifestyle without a regular paycheck from an employer. Financial freedom can also be described as a kind of financial independence. Financially independent people have assets that generate income that is at least equal to their expenses. Now, that's what financial freedom means to me, or at least it's pretty close. For me, financial freedom means I get to wake up each day, roll out of bed, and decide how I'm going to spend that day, minute to minute, hour to hour, day to day, week to week, month to month, year to year. I get to decide what my time is spent doing without a negative financial consequence. So for me to be financially free, it really means that I need to have savings built up and investments built up that are generating income that can meet my financial expenses. So either I had to inherit a lot of money from, uh, from parents or grandparents or an estate, or I have to work hard, 
save and invest, and build up this level of savings that can then create this financial freedom for me. For most of us, for most Americans, we're in that second boat, the boat where we have to be smart, we have to be prudent with our savings and investing to build up this, this nest egg that we can then generate income off of to cover our expenses and realize financial freedom. So that's your personal finance term to know for this episode, financial freedom. Now let's move on to rule six of the 10 rules for realizing financial freedom, which is minimizing your tax liability through practicing prudent asset location. Asset location is not to be confused with asset allocation, which is deciding your, your mix between stocks and bonds, large cap, small cap, emerging, international. No, asset location is where we put those investments, what accounts we put those investments into, ideally maximizing our tax deferred space and then only utilizing our taxable accounts with our tax-efficient investments. So how do we do that? What is a tax-efficient investment, and which account should I be putting which asset classes into? Well, first remember that any money needed in one to three years should really be kept in cash, a savings account, or a CD. Money needed in that three to seven to ten-year time frame, we're looking at fixed income, bonds, corporate bonds, treasuries, and then anything over that seven to 10 plus year time frame, we're investing for the long term, and we can have stocks and equities in our portfolio and maybe a balanced overall portfolio. Now, if we are investing for the long term like that, it is so critically important to pay attention to asset location because we don't want to pay Uncle Sam more than we owe in our fair share of taxes. We want to minimize our tax liability through practicing prudent asset location. Now, what does that mean? What investments do I put in what accounts? What is a tax-efficient investment? And how do I maximize my tax-deferred space? Well, let's dive into that. On the screen here, you'll see the four-step rule for tax-efficient fund placement. So step one is going to be put your most tax-inefficient funds, like high-yield bonds, in 401ks, 403bs, traditional IRAs, and similar retirement accounts. When those are full, we move on to step two, which is to put your next most tax inefficient funds in your Roths. So a Roth IRA or a Roth 401k if your employer provides it. Then when your Roths are full, we move on to step three and four. Step three being put what's left into your taxable account. And then step four, trying to use only tax efficient funds in those taxable accounts. So that's a, a four rule guide to how we allocate those funds. But what funds are tax efficient? How do I know which types of investments I put into these tax-deferred and taxable accounts? Well, again on your screen, we're going to show you here a list of securities in approximate order of their tax efficiency, so a hierarchy of asset class tax efficiency. And the least tax efficient is going to be at the top. So I'll briefly read through these here with you. Uh, our least tax efficient investment asset class are going to be high-yield bonds followed by taxable bonds, followed by tips, then REITs, stock trading accounts, balanced funds, small value stocks, small cap stocks, large value stocks, international stocks, large growth stocks, most stock index funds, tax managed funds, EE and I bonds, and then tax exempt bonds. So now you know the hierarchy of tax efficiency. Let's work backwards. Now you know the four step rules for fund allocation for tax efficiency. And we know the general guidelines and benefits of asset location. So now you're empowered to manage your portfolio as a whole and minimize your tax liability, therefore letting your money go to work for you in the most tax-efficient manner and paying Uncle Sam as little in taxes as we possibly need to. 
We're not avoiding paying taxes. We're just minimizing our liability through prudent practice of asset location. Kevin, thank you very much for joining me. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So, Kevin, what's going on? We're shooting here live from uh, Lake Wiley in North Carolina. And uh, tell us what's going on in your life. Um, yeah, so I'm on the road right now um, with my girlfriend, Stephanie, who also works with me. We're heading down to do a little consulting job uh, in South Carolina, so we figured we'd stop by here on the way there and kind of see everybody catch up. Very so. nice. So consulting for work? Yep, yep. So I'm uh, working the CBD extraction business. Um, so we extract CBD oil and then turn it into final products uh, like lotions and tinctures and, and all that stuff. Um, wow. Pretty much anything you can think of, we can turn into a product for you and and get yourself a brand going. And then we also have our own brand, um, Terra Pharma CBD. So we do tinctures and vape cartridges. Um, so I'm going down there to kind of help them out a little bit and teach them how to run some of the equipment um, so they can start extracting it themselves for their own brand. Very cool. So, so. definitely want to dive more into to your work experience and what you're doing with this company. But um, so first, just to give people kind of a general background, when did you first get into this uh, this industry or this job in particular? Uh, this this job, uh, it was actually a good family friend of mine. Um, Carrie called me up one day, and I knew he was doing this. He had been in Kentucky now for about two years, I think. Um, so they had two full grow cycles on hemp um, and started extracting it and everything. And at that point, he called me, and he was like, hey, we want you to come down here and start working in the lab with us. Uh, can you be here in 10 days? And wow. so I was like, yeah, of course. Short so, notice. yep. So, quit my job, uh, packed up everything I had in my, my little two door car, and moved it all out there to Kentucky. What, and, what was um, the pitch? What exactly did he want you to do? Well, I knew what he was doing out there, and I've Which always been. I, so, I knew what they were, they were growing hemp and extracting CBD. Um, and I was, and I've that's always legal been. In Kentucky. Yep, it's legal. And I've always yeah. been interested in that. Sure. Um, you know, so. What's your taking, interest in that? So, I was taking CBD myself. Um, and pretty much what I was doing is I was using it instead of Tylenol, and I still do today. Um, so instead of taking Tylenol or ibuprofen or anything, we're pretty much just alternating CBD for it. Um, so that's kind of what I use it for is mostly like pain because I'm on my feet all day working on a concrete floor, you know, so. And do you feel um, that it's a, it's a good substitute or a good alternative or? or? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So I haven't taken, uh, any Tylenol or anything like that in a couple of years now. Um, what is, what is wrong with Tylenol or what is the benefit? Well, to it's CBD just, it's not as CBD is not going to be as taxing on your liver and kidneys and all that stuff. Um, it's super anti-inflammatory, so it's really medicinal for that. You know, we extract CBD. The way I like to explain it to people in layman's terms is if you were, if you made a green tea and you wanted to get just the caffeine out of it, that's kind of what we do with CBD oil. So mm. instead of water as your solvent that you're using to dissolve the caffeine off the green tea leaves, we're using ethanol and we're going for CBD instead of caffeine. Um, and then you would pretty much boil off your water to be left with more pure caffeine. And it's the same thing we're doing with CBD oil. Um, Very interesting. So how did you learn about it when you when you decided that you were interested in this because of your own personal use and you felt that it was effective for you? What was the next step in, yeah, so in I, kind of your journey here? I got uh, invited down there um, and one of the co-owners of Terra Pharma kind of taught me did how to Did you run. know anything at this time? Like, did you have a base knowledge? I had done like some at-home stuff, you know okay. what I mean? But I've never done anything on like an industrial scale yeah, or anything in like an actual laboratory, you know? Um, Do you so have a college degree or have you? No. So I went to college uh, for a year, Cape Fear Community College in Wilmington, North Carolina for computer engineering. Oh, okay, so um, not anything to do no, with... No, nothing to do with that at all. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So before this whole gig, um, 
I've pretty much been working in the culinary field and okay. uh, a lot of tech stuff. I've always been had some kind of tech job floating around. And how old are you? Um, twenty six. Twenty six. Okay. Yep. yep. So, so your story back to your story. You met this gentleman, or you knew this gentleman through your family. Yep. And you yep. knew that he was exploring CBD, growing hemp, and exploring CBD extraction and and product uh, development in Kentucky. He called you or you you got in contact with him he engaged with you and he offered you this opportunity to move so you you quit your job you get up you move to Kentucky yep yep so he kind of laid it out what it would be like for me so uh, it's definitely a startup company you know um, we're like kind of bootstrapping is what we like to say you know we're all working really really hard every day and um, doing it just to better the company and everything um, so when he called me down there um, we were doing initial extractions. We were actually taking the hemp and turning it into what's called crude oil, crude so CBD oil. So do you have oil. a farm on site? Yep, yep. So there, uh, the first laboratory we had was on a farm, um, which was okay. pretty cool. So, But it pretty much just needs to be close enough to the farms, and they'll truck in the hemp and everything, um, get it all to the lab so you can process it. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah, we started out um, in that one place. Now we're in a new lab, um, different farm. And everything but so does your company own the farm or do you own the lab what does that breakdown look like what it, what exactly is your you, you mentioned that you're bootstrapping this company what exactly does the uh does your specific process involve right so for us um you know we have a lot of our friends and family involved in this journey and they all kind of really believe in it um so we all help each other cool. out um, yeah. and definitely use those resources to our advantage um right now our lab is on grounds. Um, our greenhouse manager, Adam, um, his parents own a decent amount of land in Kentucky there, and they had a greenhouse there already um, that's fairly automated. It has a weather station on it, so oh, it wow. automatically opens and closes the greenhouse <laughs> up and that's fancy. Uh, has a shade cloth and everything. And so we moved some grow lights in there, started growing hemp in there, and he kind of uh, really took on this role of managing that greenhouse and then setting up other greenhouses in the area to help us with clone propagation. When when was hemp legalized in Kentucky? Like when were you able to first um, start growing I think, it? And I think Terra Pharma now is three or four years old and we got in on it pretty pretty soon as soon as it started And going. Terra Pharma is the name of your company? Yeah, yep, yep. So, um, do you have ownership I'm, I'm in not this sure. company? Yeah, I do, I cool. do. So every, the core team, uh, there's about five of us. Um, we all have equity in the company That's as well great. as uh, the you know the consultant one of the consultants that we keep uh kind of helping us out with everything and keeping the chemistry stuff yeah and everybody's incentives aligned i think that's great giving yep. uh, the especially the key employees ownership in a in a startup i think is uh, a lot of times critical even just to to keep them focused when times get tough or keep them motivated for sure for sure yeah cool so uh so you get to kentucky and I mean, you quit your job. Is he promising you income or, or what yeah, is so the situation? Yeah, so it's a salaried situation. Um, salary? He okay. told me what my salary would be. It was fairly low. Um, it wasn't anything massive. But you're you know, entry but level it was, theoretically uh, at a startup company. Exactly. I mean, until and it was happens. pretty much, we, you know, I spoke with, uh, spoke with him about it. And it was definitely a livable wage for me. Okay, um, so the, maybe the discussion was around what what is required for you to come here? What, what is necessary for you to live comfortably right. enough? Right, right. Okay. So it was definitely, it was it's enough money, and it still is, um, to kind of keep us comfortable. We get to, we take about a day off a week, and we can do, you know, we do whatever we want. And um, So it's ownership plus salary, though. Right. So, yeah. I mean, if you build this company to a certain point, then you, you're incentivized organically through the ownership of your company, and you have a salary to, to meet your, your living needs day to day. 
yeah for sure cool do you like that structure did you feel like that was something that was advantageous for for your situation and your youth and your ability to to kind of build the company did you envision that you were very capable of building this yeah it definitely worked out for me um you know i didn't have i'm not married i don't have any kids you know um i've got a lot of family and friends in wilmington but i wasn't tied down so much there so i had the opportunity and the ability to go wilmington um, north carolina was where you were living prior to 12 hours away okay um 12 hours okay yeah and did you know anyone other than this gentleman no that was it yeah so So. how'd you find a place to live um so i actually moved in with him um oh wow part of the deal full commitment immersion i like that yep so we lived (laughs) together um like I said, he's a good friend of mine. I was his IT guy for years before all this oh, got wow. started, too. So. so you had a connection. You had a, right. a relationship there, at least a, a certain level of trust. Mm-hmm. For sure. For sure. Yeah. And that's that's really important um, with any business, I think, is trust of, of the employees and your coworkers and stuff is crucial. So, yeah. Um, there's definitely that, which is good. Where do you feel like that benefits you in, in your working relationship? Um, we just uh, we can trust each other to take care of problems and kind of solve things things and you don't have to you don't have to worry too much about each other you know not as much um, micromanagement being right, necessary right, for sure interesting yeah. yeah cool so you start working for this gentleman you work out you're living in his house mm-hmm. um you said your girlfriend lives there as well yeah so i moved up stephanie uh, about six or seven months ago she was living in Asheville, north carolina so you moved there alone though initially yeah so it was okay. just myself and carrie and then uh, Stephanie moved in about six months ago, and she's actually been helping us out in the lab as well. Um, she kind of showed interest whenever she moved in, and she would come and hang out with us and wow. and all that. And then she just started, before I knew it, I was turning around, and she was running the machines. So, wow. um, you know, she's been trained up, and she's doing really well in there now. So she's definitely one of the one of the important lab employees we have there. Cool. So, so when you were first moving in with Carrie, was there a discussion around, like, uh, expected rules or rent that you had to pay or, or is this an no, arrangement no um that was different yeah yeah i mean we're both really laid back easygoing people um we know each other so it's just kind of we try and keep each other happy and we try and stay happy like with ourselves and it it's all worked out pretty well so cool um do you have to pay rent no yeah so there's i don't there's no bills um i don't pay any bills there nice. which is nice yeah. so a little bit of subsidized living so maybe right. the salary for sure. was a lower entry level type salary but you don't have to pay rent which is a mm-hmm. you know large portion of people's income yeah especially absolutely. in denver or boulder yeah. colorado you know mm-hmm. people are some a lot of times facing like a 33 percent of their income going straight to rent if not, yeah. if not more yeah. um and you know ideally that it's closer to 20 percent. and for you you don't have to pay it at all so a bit of a subsidy there as far as your your living from your employer absolutely. which is yeah. nice yep yep do you feel like that gives you a little bit of breathing room like do you worry absolutely. about finances absolutely um n- not typically um i've had some health stuff going on lately that's yep. kind of made me worry a little more about that because now i'm like okay i have to have you know several thousand dollars to pay for all these procedures an emergency so. fund the importance of an emergency right. fund. yeah so no emergency fund in my life uh kind of okay. regretting that now um, sure and generally you know that you want that to be like three to six months if you're young and have a stable employment but you know as you get older as you have dependents, six to 12 months is going to be a nice level where if anything were to happen health-wise or to your car or or uh you lose your job for a minute then you have the ability to go to your savings and not stress yeah. out too much so so no stress in your finances other than when a health event comes up it sounds like yeah yeah i mean if, if an emergency happens it's definitely uh it's like okay we gotta save a little money this month not spend so much and we'll be all right you know yeah and uh, do you 
do you have health insurance in place? Is this something I do? Yeah, so I just as well? just had to get uh, my own health insurance. I just turned 26, so I got kind of shifted off my dad's plan and all that. They don't let you have it once you turn 26. Right. Okay. So, so you just segued from uh, that was under uh, the Affordable Care Act rule. Mm-hmm. You were able to be under your parents' plan up until 26 if they're insured and through their employer or whatever. Yep. So you just transitioned off of that to now paying your own health insurance. Yep. Being a young adult that you are. And uh, so did you pay for that 100% yourself or was your employer paying for a portion of that? uh, Terra Pharma hasn't, we don't do health insurance uh, for our employees right now. We will one day. What Um, is the decision process there? It's it's just super expensive. Um, It's really expensive for not really good coverage. Um, And right now I think where we're all at, we're all really healthy. And like I said, there's not many of us. Mm -hmm. Um, The core team is probably about five and, and, is that in something any employees future. have desired or expressed a uh, desire for, or is it just they no, understand the situation? No, I think so. One good thing is um, our salaries are so low that I do have a little bit of a government subsidy as well for health insurance. Oh, that so is a very a, positive way to look at the salary situation. So I get I like a tax that. credit of it's $300 just about, I think, a month? give or take. Yep, every oh, month okay. for health cool. insurance. So I've got the best health insurance policy I could get. Um, for so it's about three hundred and fifty dollars a month after the tax credit. So it's originally a six hundred dollar a month plan that I get for three hundred. Yeah, it makes it um, a lot more affordable. There is a contingency if I get a salary increase or any other earned wages. Um, you know, you have to drop the tax credit. Okay. Because you can't take that money if you don't need it, pretty I much. See. So it's 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 awarded because of our low salaries. That's interesting. And I don't know if anyone works. else in the company does that, but I know that's sure. I just had to because I went through the whole how to get health insurance fund thing. And, yeah. Uh, so did you have the health that. insurance in place before this scare? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So good. Yeah. So you, I mean, you know, you, you say it almost ruefully that you had to get this insurance, but in, in effect, it, it worked out. Right, right. Yeah, so all the all the surgeries and stuff I have to have going on um, are definitely going to be crazy expensive, so I have to have health insurance. Is um, it What kind of surgery is it just so generally? If you there's, don't there's a growth in my jaw where a wisdom tooth grew in and never fully grew out of my job. I don't know. It's huh. all really it, So oral surgery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's oral surgery. So they're gonna go in there, um, and cut into it and they they'll probably break my jaw and put plates in and all that while they're there and Wow. That's um, intense. So it's pretty wild, yeah. I'll be definitely sitting at home for a while after that one. Perhaps using um, some C B D. Yeah, definitely using a lot of C B D. Yep. <laughs> yep. So Do you have a product for that? Um yeah, I mean tinctures are probably probably what i would do if i had some serious mouth tinctures. pain a tincture so a sublingual tincture so because tell me more what if is you that? have a lot of mouth pain you can't open your mouth a whole bunch to like eat something you're not gonna be able to like vaporize anything or smoke anything um so uh, if you can put something under your tongue and just let it sit there it'll absorb through your blood vessels there so tincture is a liquid CBD. yep so it's uh typically it has a carrier oil which would be a really popular one is mct what um, is mct it stands for medium chain triglycerides, so it's fractionated coconut oil. So you take coconut oil and you split it into several fractions. Um, parts of the fractions are these triglycerides, the medium chain triglycerides. Um, I believe it's caprylic acid. Um, I'm not super sure, but yeah. So there's MCT oil. You can do, use olive oil or avocado oil or you know any oil you want. Um, yeah. It's just really personal preference, and usually trying to use the healthiest one. You know. Yeah. Um, so you wouldn't want to like. I guess you could use bacon grease. That'd be really tasty, but it wouldn't be good for your cholesterol or anything. Great. So any carrier oil um, would be fine for a tincture, really. But and then you just drop it under your tongue. Yep, leave it under your tongue and let it absorb there sublingually um, for a minute. You know, really as long as you can, and then you just swallow it. 
and then it'll kind of get the CBD into your blood system that way. And then once you swallow, it'll also go through all the regular body functions to absorb, um, you know, through the rest of the digestive tract and all that. So yeah. So when you were moving out to Kentucky with your now business partner to work with him and live with him, Carrie was there a discussion beforehand of what the salary would look like, what the ownership structure would look like, or did you just get up, move, take the opportunity and figure that out later? Yeah. So he did, uh, we kind of had it all laid out in our first conversation. He said, you Before know, this moving. is what, yep. He said, this is what I can afford to pay you. Um, he did said, you, you know, have a you'll team have equity in place at that point or were you number two? So, so no. So at that point there were, I think like four out of the five of us were already there. Oh, okay. Yep. Okay. Yep. So, um, that was a lot of the farming management, greenhouse management, stuff like that was there. Um, The extraction, we were doing initial extraction at the time. I think now we're into more refined um, extraction processes and stuff. So you were just hired Um, in to this company. He said, hey, come take this opportunity. And you were hired in as the head of extraction. I'm not sure originally it may have been just to alleviate some of their pressure because they were, you know, with four people, you have to do a lot with the farm management, business management, all that stuff. And then maybe he called me to alleviate some of the extraction pressure. Um, I'm not sure, you know, what he had, what he saw in the in the future of Terra Pharma and my position there and everything. But I've definitely kind of taken it over now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm the head of the all all the extraction processes that we do, as well as product formulation, um, our retail brand, white label clients, all that. So very cool. Are you on the business side as far as do you decide? Uh, pricing and sales strategy and yeah, marketing? Yeah, um, a lot of the times we just have a group conversation about it. We'll all kind of sit down oh, wow. together as a company and figure out, you know, what because we all have different points of view. And, it's and a very neat benefit of working for a small business, right, I would assume. Right, and it's nice, you know, we have, we really have like a morning meeting and a nightly meeting every day, you know, because Carrie, Stephanie, and I are all together in the same house, so we all kind of discuss what we have going on. Oh, right, you don't mean formally, that, you mean so. informally almost. Yeah, yeah, we're eating breakfast and talking yeah. about, you know, what we have, so... Very cool. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's definitely an interesting business structure. Um, yeah, no hierarchy necessarily, more of a team atmosphere, it sounds like. Definitely, definitely. And do um, you feel like that that's beneficial? Do you feel like sometimes you wish there was more structure or has it has it worked out? No, it's worked out well. Um, it's Like I said, it's, it's definitely like nowhere I've ever worked before. Um, Carrie's a great boss. He really focuses on like our, like, what do you want to do? And I want to put you in that position um, so, so that you, you do well. Yep. You're able to yep. pursue a, your passion literally. So, I mean, obviously you're going to do the best work if you're pursuing something that you really care about. Yep. And so that's what, you know, he kind of instilled that thought process in me. So now in the lab, I like to do things the same way. As we have two employees in there other than myself. Um, and we all just sit down at the beginning of the day in the lab and say, okay, what do you guys want to do today? Like we all have, we have a list. We have to do these things, but let's split up the labor and we'll all work together. I'll do something you don't want to do. You'll do something I don't want to do. And so I want to get back to know. this because I want to know, I mean, obviously you have to make money to be able to say, what do you want to do today? So I'd love right. to hear that aspect of things, but just briefly take me back to the education process for you to be able to do this. I mean, obviously he, he took a chance. He said, you know, I, I trust that you'll be able to get this education, but what was the process like developing the knowledge base to be able to actually create a product? For sure. So when I first moved there, um, this guy Riley uh, lived with us. He's a co-owner of Terra Pharma. Him and Carrie kind of started it together. Um, so Riley was the one that really trained me when I first moved there um, on all this stuff. And he's like the cannabis guru for the company. Um, he could tell you everything about why it grows the way it does. And then he knows a lot about the extraction as well. Hmm. 
Um, and we also also have a classically trained chemist that helps out a lot. Oh um, wow, Jackie. So, what does that mean? A classically trained chemist? Um, so like she went she to MIT and graduated. Oh. Um, wow. From I think the University of Boulder. Cool. Um, she works a lot in the THC space. Is. What's that? Her studio is in Boulder. Oh, okay. Okay. We just gotta go find her one day. Yeah. She's absolutely. a cool lady. So, so she went to CU. She went to MIT. Yep. She's a classically trained chemist, and you have her in the lab. Yeah, so she uh, definitely taught us a lot. She taught Carrie a lot. She taught Riley a lot. She taught myself a lot and all, all the rest of the employees. So um, hands-on learning? So Are you reading books? What is yeah, that? Yeah, a little bit of everything. So um, a lot of the stuff in the industry, uh, we have like funky acronyms for everything. One of them is SOPs, which is Standard Operating Procedures. Right. And it's more or less like a recipe on how to bake a cake for running your short path system or your falling film. Short path system or falling film, those are... Those are just uh, distillation machines. Okay. Um, there's so a literally a million ways. So this is part of the process ways. of extraction. Mm-hmm. Yep. So she, Jackie, writes better SOPs than anyone I've ever met in my life. So her instructions, instead of being a five-page booklet with kind of vague terms and rough numbers and stuff, it's a 20-page, very well thought out uh, recipe, if you will, you know, with all the little tips and tricks and secrets in there. Um, so that's something she kind of supplies as well. She's very, very good at teaching in that manner. Um, so she was able to come down and spend a week with me um, on all the equipment and kind of taught me how to run it all. And then as well as Riley's guidance, um, I was able to run these machines day to day and get, you know, decent material out of it and everything was running smoothly. Um, so, so it sounds to me like you're saying you just had to learn the process to really run these machines and then mm -hmm. once you have the process, down it's more developing technique d experimenting yep. in different areas yep so and, they kind of hooked me the up ground running they got me good, uh, the best groundwork i could ask for um like a really i had a really solid platform to stand on with what they had taught me um but that was kind of just you know you go in you turn the dials and you run it and that's you get the same thing and and that's it so after you know after i'd kind of understood that um i started moving into uh, improving the processes a little more um there's a forum, uh, future4200.com. It's all about open future, source. Future4200.com. Yep, yep. Um, so it was started a while back, um, and the main focus is open source uh, information as far as extraction goes. Um, so I started studying a lot on that website. Um, it's a very easily searchable forum, so anything you want to know about. Like if I was making, uh, if I wanted to make high-purity CBD distillate, I would just literally type in high purity CBD distillate into their search function, and there would be wow. a dozen threads with a thousand replies on it already. And I would just so sit is there, there and a read big online community? Long. Like, is there? It's there. Yeah, for a sure. A lot of people it's, posting about it's this. It's growing um, a lot more now, um, and I definitely recommend everyone should check it out. It's awesome. Future4200.com. He's got an Instagram too. Uh, Future4200. Check it out. Um, the paid side is kind of like a vendor discount program. That's called the Good Life Gang. Um, and really what it's all about is we all just help each other. So we help each other with knowledge and we also try and support each other um, as far as buying each other's products and trying things out with, you know, trying to advance each other. Have um, you found that it's a generally inclusive community that you're coming into or is it? No, not fair? at all. Not at no, all. Yeah, we're all pretty open um, and, and willing to help everybody, you know. But so Everybody's it is inclusive. Different. Inclusive. Sorry, I thought you meant do we only mess with each other. We definitely try and uh spread the love to other. everybody not just the good life gang yeah, members and that's all great that. yeah so yeah. You, you like you you guys learn together you spread knowledge together you're right. more evangelists than uh creating proprietary right uh right. product or technology yep, yep. that's yep. great that's so great. and it really kind of drives things forwards um, oh yeah i think Develop it's a really developmentally really absolutely thing. yeah so um so yeah so i learned a lot there and um really started 
to get to know some of the guys that I saw on the forum all the time, and I'd message them little questions here and there, and um, I really just tried to learn as much as I could and soak it all up, and then just started experimenting and, and making sure to keep really good data on everything and, and all that. And now we've gotten to a point, um, you know, where we're making really, really good products as far as the extraction goes, and some we have some really, really fun products in the works uh, today as well as far what as is the a, What brand. is a general type of product that I might find on the website? Right now we have four tinctures on our website. Um, one, one is made with isolate, so it's THC free, so it's really good for people who get drug tested. And then the other three are considered full spectrum uh, products, so they have that legal amount of THC, usually well below the legal amount of THC, but um, they'll have that below 0.3% of THC in there, as well as some other miners like CBC, CBN, CBG, um, and CBD as well. So hmm. we have the four tinctures, um, and we have two different kinds of vape cartridges right now. Um, it's a pretty People cool. People can vape CBD. Yeah, yeah. So we have a pretty cool distillate. It's crystal resistant. Um, CBD will tend to crystallize uh, if it's in any potency above like 60%. Um, but it'll literally just, it'll crystallize on its own. So if you put CBD distillate into a cartridge, it'll crystallize in there and it'll get all funky and nobody will, it's not very p visually appealing. Hmm. So the distillate we have is crystal resistant. Um, it's also THC free, so there's no THC in it. And it's very high in other minor cannabinoids like CBC and CBN. What is CBC and um, CBN? There are other cannabinoids. So there's a lot of cannabinoids in the cannabis plant. Um, THC, CBD are probably the most well-known ones. Um, CBN, CBG. What do they do for me? So, well, it depends. Are it, so you can measure it a couple different ways, the cannabinoids. You can measure them on psychoactivity, which is how high does it get me. So delta-9 THC is... That's the one everyone wants to get high on. Hmm. Um, CBD so that's may what's not in have marijuana. Yep. So that's like your typical. That's your pot. You know, Got is, is kind of that's loaded up with delta nine THC, typically. Um, and then, so the hemp that we grow is very, very high in CBD instead of THC. Um, uh -huh. CBD is very. Um, so C CBD and marijuana are not one in the same. So it's the same plant. They just contain different cannabinoids. If you so can one gets you way. high, one doesn't. Yeah. And the CBD yeah. doesn't. But they look the same, smell hmm. the same. Um, definitely, THC, people have been breeding plants for THC for a while now, um, and they've been breeding them for potency and terpene profiles. So how does it smell? How does it taste when I smoke That's it? That's what a terpene is? Yeah, so the terpenes are what makes the flower smell like that. Hmm. Um Everything has strawberries have terpenes. That's why strawberries smell like strawberries, and then sour diesel smells like sour diesel because of the the terpene uh, ratio in there. So sour diesel being a strain of the of plant. marijuana, yeah. Of so marijuana. it would smell different um, from another strain because of their difference in terpene profiles. Hmm, um, very interesting. So it's actually a mechanism used by the by the female plant to attract pollen, um, so it can produce seeds. Hmm. Um, so so you sell these products online on on your website mm -hmm. and just terrapharma.com yeah terrapharmacbd.com terrapharmacbd.com uh, yep that's our website we've got an instagram so legally um, are you allowed to ship all over the country are you allowed yep. to ship internationally what are the laws around it look like for so you as a business right now operator we only in Kentucky? ship in america um i'm sure now but all 50 states could, yep i'm sure now you probably could ship overseas um there is an interesting thing about so since we ship to every state in the country, state-by-state um, state laws are definitely changing frequently. Hmm. Um, so we're in Kentucky, Indiana's close by. So we have, have you some, had any issues? Yeah, so we have some, not really issues, but you just have to make sure you're always on top of the laws there and, and you're super compliant. So in Indiana, 
they have to have QR codes on some of their products, whereas in Kentucky, you don't have to. And the QR codes link up to the lab results. Hmm. Um, so in Kentucky, you can opt in to do that, which is great. Your customers can scan the QR code. They can see the labs. They know exactly what's going on in that product. That? Um, we offer it. If our customers want it, we'll print off QR codes and stick them on the box Because you wholesale. Um, yeah, so we, we wholesale our own brand, and then we also do white labeling. So we'll let you... Uh, kind of formulate some stuff with me. We'll work on it together, figure out what your customer would want to buy, and then we'll go ahead and make it in-house and then ship it to you in bottles without labels. <laughs> and then you can label it with your own brand and sell it for whatever you want. And we'll have, um, it's kind of like a sliding scale based on cannabinoid percentage and depending on what the raw ingredients are is how we price it out and then labor hours. So it usually comes out to about five bucks cheaper to get something, three, four or five dollars cheaper to get something white labeled instead of a Terraforma branded product. Um, but you know our products they come with like really nice packaging oh, and so they could also sell your product you would wholesale sell, to yep, people too yep so they can sell Terraform stuff or they can you know in certain circumstances will help people build their own brands so are you guys selling product now yeah yep, okay yep, okay so sure. you're you're able to fund this R&D by selling these products mm-hmm. that you're developing in-house and then that's also supporting the farming like do you guys own the hemp that you're farming or do you have contracts so with I'm farmers? not uh, I kind of stay in my little circle in the lab um, okay. I do know a little bit about the greenhouse and farming network uh, that I can talk about but I hate to kind of misspeak but sure I believe how we do it is we have contracts um, that farmers will sign and we'll provide them a subsidized cloths on the clones so we'll we'll make the clones from the mother plants and um and then send them the clones so they can plant their fields with them hmm. so we kind of help them out on the cost and also That's the education great. is a big thing so we'll take a lot of new farmers and um we'll help them grow hemp so you're building um, a community and a network within that community so yeah our farming network is definitely a big part of what we do that's great um i'm not sure exactly on the specifics on the contract side sure um, unfortunately sure. but but that's interesting but yeah so we we help them with the education um we, i think we help subsidize some of the clone cost and then we will pretty much get the biomass back a certain percentage of it or whatever it is or we buy from them not like i said i'm not exactly sure it's all right it's all it's all complicated plant stuff yeah. but um so so paint the picture for me if you can of what what your working environment looks like i mean you mentioned that this lab is on a farm or it was on a farm and now you're in another lab but what is what does the lab look like is yeah so kitchen? um in kentucky we're kind of lucky and unlucky it's interesting so for cbd labs in kentucky the only regulation and safety and uh general cleanliness and everything only has to be built to food grade so a food grade facility um so a kitchen um that's what you can process cbd in in kentucky um for instance in california and colorado you have to have labs that are class one division one class one division two and all these crazy safety regulations you can only have so much ethanol on hand hmm. you have to have certain kind of fire sprinklers and every, every room has to be separate and do different. you feel like they're they're overbearing as far as restrictions or do you feel like that's good for I feel the like, industry i feel like safety regulations are good because they're keeping we're keeping people safe we're keeping the products safer because of it you would know? you say that generally the industry is safe as far as the products being made yes yeah so we haven't seen anything crazy happen yet um yet you know but you if they're if the, <laughs> so if all you have to do is build the food raid i think there could be a lot of people that come in and don't put any more thought into it other than that yeah. But you can't just have a three compartment sink and a stainless steel table and have a laboratory. You know, you have right. to you have to think about how are you gonna ventilate it, how are you gonna get your solvent yeah, fumes so, out. So what and, standards do you guys take? Um so we do have we have some nice ventilation in, in there. Um ethanol fumes are heavier than air. So when they 
when you're working with ethanol, they'll come out of the vessel and they'll float to the ground and kind of pool and float around. Um, and there's definitely a risk of a spark. If there's a spark on the ground, if you plug in an extension cable or something, it could spark that and cause uh, definitely cause a fire. So yeah. there are dangers with ethanol fumes. So we have ventilation. We've got that taken care of. Um, respirators are a big thing. A lot of people overlook oh, wow. organic vapor-rated respirators. Oh, wow. um, you can actually go on the CDC's website and look up what uh, kind of rating you need on your respirator filter um, to make sure that it'll handle the kind of fumes you're working with. That's something a lot of people don't do and they need to think about. Um, eye protection is super important. So PPE is definitely something that we take really seriously. Um, so, But it's all it's all things that you have to build for yourself. So um, I'll go to safety meetings um, and learn about these fire codes and I'll try and learn as much as I can from my other friends in the industry about how to be safe and how to protect myself and the employees um, and everything else. Um, we definitely keep it as safe as we can. I'm so I don't. Are I you don't wearing know. like lab coats and a respirator yeah, when you're yeah. in there? Yeah. Yep. Yep. So not all the time. Um, you don't have to have a respirator on 24/7 in there. A lot of the stuff we do is closed loop. Um, so once you get the solvent in the system, it doesn't leave the system. Um, and if it does, it's all under vacuum pumps into closed vessels. So there's not a huge concern with ethanol fumes all the time. Um, it's during certain processes that we do that would release a little more ethanol fumes than just regularly hmm. running a machine. Um, so during those times, we will put on a respirator. But yeah, okay. lab coats, you want to protect your arms. Um, you don't want to get burnt. This Usually the oil you're working with is really hot, and so is the glassware and all that stuff. Oh, so wow. if something breaks, you could spill hot oil on yourself. Um, so you want to wear definitely long sleeves, uh, pants, non-slip shoes, um, all the stuff just to keep yourself safe. Did um, you guys build the... the um what, I don't know what it's called. The lab, the laboratory. Yeah. Did you guys build the laboratory custom for your needs, or was it something that you bought a, a lab that was already doing this? Did you have So a, you can get pre-built systems. Uh, C1D1 Labs is a great company that does that. Um, hmm. They have shipping containers and little booths that you can extract in. And is you that can what buy you did? Those. That's not what we did. So okay. we built um, we built a giant food-grade facility. Not giant. It's It's fairly large. I don't know how many square feet it is, but it's definitely big enough for what we need. Um, so we built a food grade facility and kind of retrofitted it, went ahead and upgraded the power, um, redid the floor, walls, and ceilings, lights, and all that. Um, and then all the safety stuff is, is kind of got filed in after that, so we kind of set up all that. Um, you know, we've got heating and air in there, so it's climate controlled. Do you know um, how security much security cameras? Do you know how much was invested to build this facility? I, I mean, don't. it sounds. If I imagine, it sounds like a, a high tech facility, I like don't. out of a movie where you're wearing a lab coat and a <laughs> respirator. But <laughs> yeah, what yeah. does it cost to build something like that? I'm not sure. I know the prefabbed ones are reasonable. You can get a really, really good prefab booth um, from C1D1 for definitely uh, under 100 grand. Okay. Um, okay. But it's still yeah. a significant investment. For sure. For sure. Um, it's important. So you can just build things to be food grade, but. You know, if you want to be safe and you want to keep your people safe and, you know, make sure the fire department doesn't have to show up once a month to put out a fire. So so for what you guys have, I mean, you you either have to own the farm and the hemp you or you have to have these contracts in place with farmers. So you have to have this community or network, mm -hmm. if not built out, being built out. I mean, you're, you're making these relationships, you're building these rela relationships as you work with them. You have to invest in this uh, laboratory. You have to have a, a team of people. So, I mean, you, you call it bootstrapping. Perhaps it is to a certain extent, but that is a significant operation that yeah, you have going. Yeah, it's been a grand effort for sure. We've all been working really hard on it. And um, Sounds like it. You know, all the money we make goes right back into the company for sure. Is, um, is that the approach you guys are taking? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, every dime. Um, That's great. Yep. The owner doesn't take a salary. So, so you, you know. felt generally with this deal, though, how, how long have you been doing this? 
I think I'm coming up just about a year and a half now. Living a year in and a half. Okay, it. so yep. a year and a half. I mean, 18 months, you've been doing this for a minute now for uh, a significant amount of time where you've seen how your finances can ebb and flow over mm-hmm. time with your different spending levels. So sure. is this something where you feel like you're in a comfortable financial situation with the hope of building this company Absolutely. to be bigger? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and part of it is just, you know, we we all have been working on this 70 hours a week for so long. Um we've built something really nice um and it's definitely it's just a matter of time so nice yeah. so how do you how do you relax what do you do in your off time uh we take we usually try and take one day off a week um so you're working six days a week yeah we kind of wow. force ourselves to take a day off because otherwise we'll run in and we'll be like man we've been going 19 days straight like wow. let's, let's take a day off so it we all enjoy like what happened we do before um yeah yeah i mean we all we all work really hard like i said everybody in the company does um which is good, you know. We all see each other sweating for it, so it's yeah, absolutely it's motivating. Absolutely. So um, your days off, what does that look like? We uh, so we live in a small town. Um, there's all the kind of regular stuff to do. There's a couple restaurants. Um, I think there's like one or two bars. You know, it's, a, it's like I said, it's a small town. So we we'll, we travel sometimes. We'll go to Evansville, Indiana, which is about an hour away, and um, go do some shopping up there or something. We okay. like to go anytime we can go fishing. We try and go fishing. Um, so Do you have a fishing rod? Um, yeah, yeah. So luckily, some of our friends own boats, and uh, cool. You know, we've got another friend who lives on a nice little lake, so we can go fishing there. And we've got a little lake in the neighborhood, so um, fishing. We play video games together. You know, well, that's a great way to unwind at the end of the night. We'll uh, kind of yeah. sit down and play some Mario Party for an hour and forget cool. about work for a little bit. So what's your what's your console of choice? Um, we've been playing the Nintendo Switch a lot. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, but the Xbox is always running Netflix. <laughs> you know, of course, all that. So. Cool. So yeah. you have Netflix. Do you uh, do you have a cable subscription or anything? Like that? Nope. Nope. Cut the cable. So just uh, Wi-Fi, Netflix. Uh, we got Hulu this last year for a dollar a month. Do you have to pay for your Wi-Fi? No. Nope. Or is that included that's, with the rent? That's kind of all thrown in there. Yeah. Cool. So yeah. really, you're just paying for Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. And Hulu, you mentioned for a dollar a month. Yeah, dollar a month. Yeah. Cool. So that's pretty good. Keeping those expenses um, low, and it sounds like your your entertainment is fairly low cost as well outside of those subscriptions. For sure. Yeah. You're going to friends' and houses. We'll, yeah, we'll go to a movie every once in a while. We'll eat, you know, but it's nothing Fishing. crazy. It's yeah. all low cost. Yeah. 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 They say the better the, what's better than owning a boat, having a friend that has a boat. That's right. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Just pay for gas instead of the uh, property tax on it every year. <laughs> yeah. You know. Cool. Yeah. So uh, so fairly low cost entertainment. Um, you're working six days a week, so not too much time off, but when you have yeah. time off, when you're relaxing, you're generally um, playing video games or, or going yeah, fishing. Yeah, so we do a lot of art projects, too. We kind of paint a lot, do a lot of wood yeah. burning. Um, and you're doing these activities with your girlfriend. Yep. You f- yep. Cool? Yeah. You know, we spend a lot of time together. <laughs> yeah. So... That's great. So was there any discussion when she was moving in about, I mean, you you were fairly informal with your your original situation when your Mm -hmm. girlfriend moved in. Was there any talk of formality around, again, she gets rent free? No, so she wanted to go to school. Um, There was a pretty good vet tech program a mile away from our house. Very nice. Um, So that's kind of why she came down there was to to check that out and go to college and everything. So she's still Um, doing that or she transitioned full time Yeah, so they're into the summer now. Okay. but yeah, when she came down, there was no. I said, you know, you can come in and work if you want. Like you can put stickers on things that'll be helpful. You <laughs> yeah. know, whatever you want to do, you can or you can't. Like I didn't want to. That's great. I wanted her to focus on school, um, and that was definitely the big thing. And right. But she definitely transitioned into lab quickly, and she did it really well. Um, so she's definitely taken ownership of some of the things in there now, and, cool. and helped us out a lot. So does she get paid, or does she just volunteer? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. She's nice. an hourly employee. Um, so she's able to work in the lab and ch- pursue her own dream of being a vet tech. That's that's awesome. Sure. Situation yep. and yep. 
does she live rent free as well? Yeah, yeah, nice, yeah, very yeah. nice. Yep, cool. So. so it sounds like you, like you said. I mean, maybe you don't have a high salary, but you're not concerned financially unless something out of the blue comes up, which can happen and that's why you're going to save for an emergency fund i would assume oh, coming yeah. out of this yep. this conversation yeah. but uh but th it's nice that he your your business partner has at least subsidized the the cost of living so that you're able to pursue this project pursue this dream and passion um together so i mean what does financial freedom look like to you whether it's with this company or just as an individual maybe both if you I, if you wouldn't so mind we were talking about uh, kind of Future 4200 earlier. Um, another thing he's really into other than open source extraction is permaculture. Um, I love permaculture. Yep, so I've been following that for can a you, while Can now. you tell, uh, tell us or maybe audience members that don't know what permaculture is I, exactly? So my kind of dream of it, my financial freedom and everything, um, would be to just have a big farm where I could grow all my own food, um, have a bunch of cows and chickens and goats, and pretty much just supply for myself and my family. Uh, and maybe even the community, we would all, I would assume it would be a communal effort, hopefully. You know, you'd have nice neighbors to trade beef for pork or whatever. So almost back um, to a tribal, a yeah, tribal setting. Yeah, I think that would be the dream. Um, maybe, I like it. you know, maybe in a nice lake on the property so I could kayak around every once in a while or something. Yeah. Um, but that's definitely, I think, the end goal, have a nice, nice little setup like that. It sounds um, lovely. You know, yeah. Cool. Maybe some and mailbox money, own some property, so I just get paid on people renting my houses. and. Sure. Hang out at the farm all be day. Be a real estate mogul? <laughs> Maybe not a mogul, just a house or two. You know? Okay. Better I don't think be I need much. willing to pick up the phone at three in the morning when their water pipe breaks. Yeah, right? their microwave's not working, yeah. I guess. Yeah. yeah. Yep. The, uh, the downside of being a landlord sometimes. For sure. Cool. So uh, it's a lovely picture that you painted there for us. So how, uh, how do you imagine getting there? Uh, I don't know. I'm just going to keep working really hard until I'm rich, I think, you know? So the business, uh, though. I mean, you, you intend to build this business up and your equity stake in it and mm -hmm. get to a point where, um, you know, I don't know if uh, a higher salary is something that you guys are working towards, but uh, potentially a higher salary. And is the end game selling the company? I mean, what does this 2% equity eventually look like? Um, I'm not really sure. And there's a lot of good opportunities out there for us. Um, Right now, there's a couple big projects going on. Cool, um, cool. So we'll see where things go. Um, I'm so just, just growth in general, not necessarily you know, with the idea of being bought out, but just growth of the sure. company in Absolutely. general, yeah. pursuing different projects where you see opportunity mm -hmm. and developing this community further. And, uh, and ideally, equity becomes valuable in the long run through building this, this brand, this company, this community. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we're all comfortable doing what we're doing and we all like it. So yeah. we're all going to keep fighting the good fight until, you know, something crazy hits. And yeah. Then, You're comfortable financially, you know. which allows you to pursue your passion. Mm -hmm. And then you you have your uh, your downtime figured out, it sounds like, as well. That's that's very nice. Yeah, for sure. So what about uh, what about food? What does that look like for you? I mean, financially, <laughs> like, do you have to um, are you cooking so your own food? Or are you interesting? Prepping? There's no there's there. I don't want to say there's no good food in the town we live in. Oh. There's a couple restaurants. Whoa. Yeah, there's not really. It's uh, there's a lot of fast food. Okay. Uh, there's a decent pizza place in town that we'll eat out every once in a while. What's um, that called? Uh, feta. Feta, feta which pizza. is which I think means I like slice. feta cheese on my not, pizza. So it's, yeah, so it's spelt the same way as feta cheese, oh, but it, it's like slice in Greek is feta or something, oh, or Latin or interesting. some pizza language. So I appreciate you teaching me stuff. Yeah, it's interesting, right? Yeah. So anyway, so there's a good, decent pizza place in town. Um, so we cook for ourselves a lot. Oh, okay, so cool. So a lot of it we do, uh, Stephanie is awesome at whipping together little crockpot meals for us every So you guys are, are you guys all so eating together? Like you, yeah. your business partner, and your girlfriend? Yep, cool. yep. 
Yep. Hopefully, and we don't always get off work at the same time. Uh, okay. Craig finds himself at the office a lot until midnight and oh, wow. um, stuff like that. But yeah, we try and eat together as much as we can for sure. And we kind of just switch off who cooks and whoever's not cooking is cleaning. And, Do you eat breakfast? You know. Um, usually, yeah. We have granola and yogurt and berries um, is kind of the go-to or smoothie. Um, some protein, protein, some healthy yeah, fats, yep. some carbs to get you through the day. Yep. Hey, so occasionally, cool. uh, like once a month, we'll go out and get breakfast before work. Have like a really nice hearty kind of, we have a nice little diner in town, D's Diner. Nice. Um, so you can go get like just a table full of food for 10 bucks, <laughs> you know, just really <laughs> yeah. good breakfast stuff. So Very cool. Um, yep. And then usually at uh, we'll try and find things to bring to work for lunch because okay. same thing where the lab's at, there's, it's literally just fast food there well there's a, i think there's a mexican restaurant and a pizza place too but so are you meal prepping on sunday or are you just, di- just figuring out day to day yeah we do it out day to day throughout the week um so is it like a sandwich what do you yeah eating? sandwich a uh, little like microwavable soups and stuff um soup is enough uh, for you for lunch soup and crackers Ooh, i'd be that. wanting uh we snack throughout the day you know we we always have like peanuts around and stuff okay um, Healthy fats again. Yeah, I yep. like it. I like uh, it. And then, yeah, and then for dinner, we're usually we all just kind of switch off a cook center, and we have a couple couple good recipes. We cycle through, you know, keep nice. it interesting. But um, yeah, yeah, we mostly feed ourselves. So. That's great. We do have a good little garden: um, tomatoes, peppers, um, some lettuces, and you stuff eat it like that. Yeah, yeah. You eat what you grow. So that's really nice uh, during the summer. We have a lot of that. Is it a significant um, contribution you feel like towards no, your, your general diet? No, maybe like one one or two dinners a week we'll okay. add something from the garden to That's it something um yeah, yeah at least it's nice you you see your hard work pay off just mm-hmm. another little uh and it's always hobby delicious you, you know i mean the stuff you grow is always going to be more delicious than what you can buy in the store so so how are you maintaining that i mean you you didn't mention it to me in your downtime is that something else so you do? yeah we watered every once in a while i mean it pretty much takes care of itself you um, think so in kentucky the soil is just that great and yeah, the sun's that yeah, powerful and the uh, water's that we flipped potent. over our sod um, and just kind of lightly tilled really? it and planted in it, and it's growing crazy oh. plants in there now. Cool. Um, did you pick like seeds, or you just throw a bunch in there? Seeds, yeah. We did a lot of stuff from seeds. Uh, a lot of the stuff came back from last year, so we have like legacy kind of plants. Uh, so the mint, we have a lot of mint plants floating around uh, nice. that are from last year. Basil, carrots everywhere. There's carrots like in all of our neighbors' yards now because they'll seed <laughs> and like blow all over the place. There's just carrots all over the place. Do rabbits come um, and actually eat the carrots like I read in books when I was little? Do you what? Do the rabbits come and eat your oh, carrots? Oh, no. No, we have a neighborhood cat that goes and eats the rabbits, huh. unfortunately. Yeah, the Dexter is what we call him because he eats the little, he eats their heads off. It's horrible. Oh, wow. It's like two a week. What a sicko. They're everywhere. There's like a crazy rabbit party going on in our backyard uh, every morning. It's hilarious. A rabbit party? They yeah, there's a lot of, it. so we live out in the, we live in like the one suburban town pretty much. So the um, rabbits are eating them? No, no, the cat's eating the rabbits before the rabbits oh. can get to the carrots, I think. Oh, yeah, it's no. crazy. Yeah, he's taking them all out. But there's oh, a, he is a sicko. But there's, oh, he's there's eating the them. heads off the rabbits. Yep, yeah, he's separating I thought he was them. eating the heads of the carrots. And it's completely decapitating oh, God. the cats. Yeah, it's horrible. That's awful. And he'll like bring them to us and our neighbors and stuff. And it's no. like, Dexter, come on, man. No, thank you. So they're cute. Wow. But uh, but yeah, so it's nice. You know, we have a lot of, there's like deer out there, um, rabbits. There's a good bit of wildlife. There's always birds chirping and stuff. So it's always nice looking out the window because we, we kind of live out there in the country, you know. So, hmm. yeah. Do you do any hunting? Nope, nope, I haven't yet. Um, I like to shoot guns. We have a lot of guns and stuff. <laughs> um, you know, any chance I can get to You're shoot some guns, I'm always that. down. Yeah, um, I haven't done any hunting yet. I, I, I would, um, given the opportunity, you yeah, know, cool. it'd be fun too. I think and catch your own food. Very cool. Yeah. 
So, I mean, you're, you're certainly living on a budget, you know, do you create a formal budget as far as your expenses outside of the rent or do you feel like the expenses are so few and far between other than things that you've just figured out it's not necessary for you to create yeah, a budget to stay within your means? I don't worry too much about a budget. Um, I'll check my bank account a couple times a month, really, but, um, you know, I've got car insurance, health insurance, phone bill, uh, and one or two monthly and do you feel like you're able to insurance. live within your means, stay under, uh, you know, mm. when you check your bank accounts, is it always positive? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't have any credit cards, so it's never it's never negative. Uh, oh, you know. so it's, you, you only use a debit card and cash. Yeah. That's great. So yep. you're never taking on credit. There's no chance of you messing up because you don't take I don't credit. Have, out I don't either. have a credit. Yeah. It, have you run into card. any issues with that? Not utilizing a credit card when you're like buying a car? So, yeah. Or so like that? I did have to buy a vehicle recently. Uh, my car broke down. I was going to Nashville, Tennessee, which is about two hours away, and it broke down about an hour into the trip. Hmm. Um, luckily... Uh, one of our coworkers has a real big truck, and he towed me over to is lucky. Uh, down into Nashville, and we ended up getting it back to town now. Um, so I did have to buy a vehicle, and my interest rate on it is horrendous. It's 20-ish percent. That is criminal. Yeah, it literally, I think, is criminal. It should wow. be if it's not. So That's crazy. we're just gonna pay 22%. it off. Twenty-two percent. Yeah, I'll have it paid off, and so it sounds like something year. happened prior to this event that so, would lead yeah, to a twenty-two so percent interest rate. Um, so I have one credit card. I've never had any other credit. You do now, or you did? I had. I had one, and the limit on it was seven hundred fifty dollars, and I just never ever paid it back. So it's gone to the collections now. So I don't think there's interest incurring on it or anything. Oh wow. Um, but I just is your intent to pay that off at some point? Eventually, so yeah. But I mean, right now it's like I, I can't rates. just give someone like fifteen hundred dollars. Yeah, you yeah, know? I hear you. So I'm just gonna have to wait until. I think a lot of people are know. in that situation where one debt like that, one thing that they need to pay off, hangs over their heads a lot a while because yeah. it is significant for a lot of people to pull out a uh, thousand dollars or fifteen hundred dollars to pay off some debt all at once. Mm-hmm. But my cre- my credit has gone up. Uh, I just checked Despite it recently. It. Yeah, it's, it's gone up <laughs> since I got my car. Um, now it's it's like 50 points higher than it was. Wow, so good. It's, it's climbing. Um, so that's but that's an issue that you've run into from credit cards. I mean, a, a lesson being, yeah, uh, your your oh lesson God, learned just was just cards. don't have a credit yeah, card. Yeah, don't have a credit card because you you'll know, forget to pay it and then just not care about it anymore. And you know. Yeah, or you know, if you do have a credit card, paying it down every month, I think is critically important. So you're not carrying that balance and having to pay these exorbitant interest rates. Because I'm sure your credit card is going to be 17 and a half, 22 percent interest rate. Uh, somewhere in there if right. not more just right. well i wish you would have told me all this when i was like 18 and i got well, it you know we're here now years ago <laughs> but, yeah. yeah no i mean and, and it's it's significant because i think a lot of people are potentially in that situation where you know it's just one or two debts that are hanging over your head but it it, it can create issues in other areas of your life as yeah 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 as annoying as it is so yeah my pro i just paid property tax on my vehicle and it was only like 4500 dollars, which is awesome because that's less than what it's actually worth so i'm paying <laughs> pretty decent you know but anyways that was uh, the value of the car that you're paying the property that's what, tax yeah, on yeah yep it. and uh the loan i have on it though is like fourteen thousand dollars so, so which is bizarre to me so you're not formally budgeting but you're able to live below your means from what you're saying For outside sure. of this one credit yeah. card and you're able to do this significantly despite what you know you described as a a lower salary or an entry-level salary mm-hmm. yeah um you do have the the rent subsidized and wi-fi electricity what have you which is nice but where did you learn how to save i mean where did you learn to be able to to do this do you feel like that's something that your parents 
uh, provided to you, or is it just something that you've had to figure out? I, being they a might young have adult? tried, but it didn't stick for sure. So they, when when did you start saving any... then, or when did you start living below your means? When did you stop building credit card debt? Was that? I just mean, I just had that one credit card that one time, and other than that, it was like, well, if I don't have money, I'm just gonna have to eat bologna sandwiches today, I guess. So you were know? you spending recklessly up um, to that point, and then at that day, you realized I shouldn't do this? I no, it was just I was making a lot of money. I was working. Um, I was doing kind of a tech job for a water department contractor, so a lot of GPSing of water meters. And stuff data entry stuff like that um i was getting paid really really well so i got a credit card um because i was like oh well i'm getting paid a bunch of money maybe i can get a credit card and like start trying to build credit or whatever yeah. i don't even know and uh that's what they all you know that's us. that's when that happened and yeah. uh just you know it's been ever since then just hadn't paid it but huh. um so now i wouldn't say i'm right you know i always make sure i have i guess i guess i kind of do budget you know i know how much money i need a so you week. mentally account you mentally budget yeah yeah so to a certain extent so i'm like you know i can't buy any dumb stuff this week because i need to have 250 dollars for next week to you know or whatever it is so other than just like creating these budgeting goals i mean do you create savings goals when you bought that car is that something that you had planned out ahead of time or was it just out of necessity no that was it was definitely out of necessity do you um, set other financial goals in your mind as far as what you're saving towards right now no i think right now i'm just worried about like i'm just trying to work as much as i can <laughs> and all that and then do you I have think the ability gonna, to save I could probably save a little bit every month. Do you? Um, no. Okay. No. I probably could, and it would probably be good to invest it into something um, like cool art or something I think would be nice. So, I mean, tangible. you know, sometimes you hear things like you earn, yeah. you learn in your 20s, you earn in your 30s, and it sounds like that's almost the approach you're taking. Just make sure that you have enough money to support your pursuit of passion, and your pursuit of passion in this case is... Uh, you know, working for a, a CBD company, leading the extraction, and and you're you're living an adventure, and your entertainment isn't expensive, and your recreation isn't too expensive, and what you do in your downtime isn't requiring large amounts of capital. So, I mean, it sounds like you know you're you're happy, you're living a good life, yeah, you're being able yeah, to pursue what you yeah. love, and that's what it's all about, and that's what everyone in the company is like. You know, be what do you need to be happy? Let's all be happy. That's the most important. That's thing. great. You that's know, awesome. Make sure everybody's comfortable and happy. It's it's super definitely one of our mantras you you're, know. you're making sacrifices um, for tomorrow without a doubt but you're still happy and have enough money in the process yeah that's yeah, great yeah that's yeah. awesome well kevin yeah. thank you so much for coming yeah, on i appreciate yeah. you i Thanks mean this is a great me. conversation very enlightening into the the cbd industry and and how a company works and and man i think you're on a, an awesome journey you know yeah whether yeah. financial freedom's at the end of it or not i think you're, you're certainly living a, a hell of a journey and hopefully you know that equity does turn into something it sounds like you guys are certainly on the right path for uh for financial freedom maybe being around the corner so yeah for good sure. luck thanks man no, thanks it. for coming on i appreciate you cool so a fun conversation i had there with kevin wine now let's move on to our wealth growing strategy of the episode which is to consolidate your financial accounts at a fee-free financial institution. Remember from previous episodes of the show that we talked about the magic of compound growth and compound interest, and how the only thing that negates that are our compound expenses. So I want you to take a look at your brokerage statements. I want you to take a look at your bank statements and see if you're paying a fee for the pleasure of doing business with them. Because we're in 2019. You should not be paying a fee to your financial institution simply for the pleasure of doing business with them. It's one thing if you're paying for professional advice or guidance from like a, an accountant or a, a financial planner or, or a wealth manager. It's another thing to be paying a, a company like Bank of America $15 a month simply for holding my money in a checking account. That's absurd. 
There are plenty of options, whether it be TD Ameritrade, Ally Bank, Fidelity, Schwab, where these financial institutions are not only not charging me a fee on my account, but a lot of times they offer other services fee-free, like commission-free ETF trading in my brokerage accounts or IRAs, or ATM ATM fee withdrawal fees reimbursed at the end of the month at a bank. So please take a look at your statements. And if you're paying an extraneous fee for your bank accounts, don't. Move your money. It does not take that much effort to consolidate your accounts and cut out these unneeded expenses. So your wealth growing strategy tip of this episode is to consolidate your financial accounts that you may be paying a fee on at a fee-free financial institution. This episode's history and finance fact is the origination of the term equity. The word equity actually derives from the Latin equitas, which in turn derives from equus, meaning even or fair. In a financial sense, equity refers to the residual value of a business after its liabilities are subtracted, and it's a synonym for stock. Often, when the term is used, it refers to the publicly traded ownership interest of private companies. So that was your history and finance fact, the origination of the term equity. Now let's finish out the show with your seeking financial freedom behavioral pitfall to avoid this weekend, which is recency bias. Recency bias, or the recency effect, is an order of presentation effect that occurs when more recent information is better remembered and receives greater weight in forming a judgment than does earlier presented information. Now, where we see this most, or where we see this often, is investors making investment allocation decisions with their company retirement accounts, like a 401k. Oftentimes, when you receive this information from your employer, your plan provider, it's provided in a packet or, or on a website link that's not giving you that much detailed information. Often, it might show you an expense ratio. It might give you a brief summary of the, the fund. And it likely shows you the one, two, five, and 10-year past performance of these investments. Now, the biggest thing I can emphasize here is please do not make your decisions based on these past performance figures. As I'm sure it says on the bottom of that sheet or on the website somewhere, past performance is not indicative of future results. So don't make your investment allocation decisions purely based upon the investments that have performed the best in the past few years. Remember that asset classes have an average return over the long run, and these asset classes revert back to their long-term averages over time. So if I was looking at an investment that had a strong return in the past year or two years, extraordinarily strong return, if anything, that's an argument not to buy that investment or not to allocate money towards that investment, because we know that the likelihood is that future performance will not be as strong as it naturally reverts to the long-term return averages. So remember, don't make your investment allocation decisions based upon these past performance figures provided. Instead, keep your approach simple. Keep it around your financial planning. Your investment allocation should be driven from your financial plan. Your financial plan should be driven by your values and goals. Your financial values, your life values, and then your financial goals that correspond with those. Then we need to align our action items, here being our investment allocation. So when we're developing our investment allocation or when we're investing our assets into these options within our company retirement account, simply look at what index these investments are tracking. Are they tracking a broad U.S. market? Are they tracking a broad international market? Is it a bond market? And then even Google the terms if you need to know more detail about it. 
Don't just rely on the plan provider to give you all the information you need to make a sound investment allocation decision. First, base it upon your goals and values, your financial plan, and then when we're developing our investment allocation, keep it simple. You don't need more than three funds to be fully diversified, and you'll still be able to keep your expenses low. Your portfolio can consist of something as simple as a total U.S. stock market index fund, a total international stock index fund, and an intermediate term aggregate bond index. Those three funds, especially if you're focused on the expense ratio and keeping the expense ratio as low as possible, those three funds will keep your expenses low and provide global diversification. You don't need more investments than that. Keep your portfolio build simple. And remember, this weekend, do not fall victim to recency bias when making investment decisions. <laughs>